not only about giving guests a wow plating experience and taste and texture and experience. As I said, it's also about that mindful approach of nourishment, responsibility, social responsibility, health. You know, we firmly believe the future of hospitality is sustainability and food and drink has a huge part to play. This is One on One, a table for two production. I am Antoine Aboussamra. The food industry accounts for 30% of all greenhouse gas emitted and that food waste alone is around anything from 8 to 10% and that the hospitality industry is, is losing about $100 billion a year through food waste. But the areas that we really double down in the world of restaurants and bars and, and food and drink is food loss and food waste. In every episode, I invite you to discover the stories of people in the world of food who are on a mission to protect the environment, defend their cultures, or fight for more social and economic justice. One-on-one -on -one will help you redefine your relationship to food. No better way to connect to an area or a country or a region you're visiting than the food and drink. And one way you can do that is through experiencing local food. Hilton looks to support any programs or initiatives that can exercise a positive social impact on the communities we operate in. Good afternoon. It's a fantastic pleasure to be back for a new episode of the One-on-One -on -one podcast. And today I have the privilege, honor and pleasure to welcome Emma Banks, who is the VP for so there's many things that in your titles for FNB, food and beverages, for the bars and restaurants of Hilton for the EMEA region. So Europe, Middle East and Africa region. Good afternoon, Emma. Good afternoon, Antoine. Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for accepting uh, the invitation. And there's something actually uh, quite fascinating. So Hilton is this huge company, global company, and you're managing about a thousand restaurants, if I'm not mistaken. Approximately a thousand across the mirror. Yes, that's correct. So very often when we talk about sustainability, about you know waste, about all these kind of things, we talk about one restaurant or two. How do you do that with a thousand? Well, um, first of all, I mean Hilton. You know, we believe that the founding vision of our of our founder uh, Conrad Hilton is he believes that hospitality you know, can be a real force for good. And he very much, um, our vision now is around, you know, filling the, the world with the light and warmth of hospitality. And our current CEO, Chris Setter, is very clear in his, his strategy and purpose for the organization that, you know, travel and hospitality can be a force for good. And we, um, Hilton, as, as a global operator, we all are very much centered around, you know, working and serving the communities that we operate in. So we, we call it the Hilton effect. Mm -hmm. And basically we look, Hilton looks to support any programs or initiatives that can exercise a positive social impact on the communities we operate in. So to get back to your question around how do you affect um, the sustainability agenda in um, a thousand restaurants and bars across the mere. Well, first of all, Hilton is committed as uh, to a net zero future. 
and we are the first hospitality company to come out with science-based goals. We are looking to halve our food waste and we are looking at reducing our carbon emissions in line with the sustainability development goals that were agreed by the Paris Agreement. So we very much um, have our whole ESG strategy is housed under our Travel with Purpose program and every hotel is tasked with a series of initiatives um, throughout the hotel across all our functions and across all the operating parts of our hotel and indeed our corporate offices. But my, my role around food and beverage and the restaurants and bars, we feed into that, so to speak, and we support Travel with Purpose and we support Hilton's ESG strategy. But the areas that we really double down in in the world of restaurants and bars and, and food and drink is food loss and food waste and how we can um, look at reducing food loss and food waste in our restaurants and bars and also how we can support Hilton towards its goal, you know, of achieving um, a reduction in its carbon emissions and supporting a net zero future around sourcing locally where we can to obviously look to reduce our carbon emissions through our local procurement strategy. And obviously sourcing locally feeds into my first point around supporting the communities and the businesses and the people where we operate our hotels. So if we support local where we're operating, we're obviously not only looking at reducing carbon emissions, but we're also supporting the communities in which we're operating in. So I really double down on food waste and local sourcing and happy to talk a little bit further about how we've managed to affect that across mm. such a big market. Yeah, what is very interesting is that the, the the process is extremely transparent. So Travel with Purpose is the ESG foundation or you know, the, uh, the, 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 overall, strategy, the yeah. overall strategy. Uh, so on the website, uh, we can see all the different goals, which is uh, social, uh, environmental and in terms of governance, we're not going to talk about the last part, but the and it's along the uh, as you were saying the sustainability development goals that were set out uh, by the Paris Agreement and by United Nations. So it's very interesting to see that there is a commitment. There are some very clear objectives that you have, and there is a a, a status of where you are compared to those goals on the website, and that trans that transparency is. I'm almost going to say it's a bit rare to find such a transparent communication on what you're doing and how you're doing this. Because there's a lot of people that, you know, they talk about ESG and they don't really, you know, they talk about it. And I'm not going to say greenwashing, but in, in this case, there's a there's a there's a clear commitment. And there's those evolutions that are being put forward, what they're doing well, better, not so well, etc. And this is quite quite interesting for such a large company as well to to have that approach and that strategy. Well, thank you. Since 2009, Hilton has used um, Lightstay, which is an award-winning ESG management system, which is what you spoke about, which allows us to track and analyze and report our environmental and social impact across our hotels and food and drink venues. So this data on Lightstay, um, as you've said, is used externally and for example, our clients can also request 
the environmental impact of the business travel and meetings through, you know, they can go on and they can uh, use what we call our meeting calculator, where they can actually include food waste and they can actually um, look at the impact of, of, of their meetings and events at Hilton. And this, this proves to be really, really popular with our guests as well. Um, so you're absolutely right. You know, we're, we're very proud of, um, of Lights Day. Um, it's, as I say, a great way for the hotels to be able to track their, their performance and also as a great ESA, ESG management system, but also um, for, in terms of the world of food and drink, it is a brand requirement for the hotels to track their food waste and to report their food waste every month on Lights Day which allows myself and my team to have full transparency on the food waste in all our hotels and actually look at how we can take measures to reduce our food waste, which we've clearly taken a series of initiatives over the last couple of years to look at how we can reduce food waste and improve our performance in this area because Hilton has committed to harm our food waste by, by 2030. So, um, yes, thank you for pointing that out. It's something guests are looking more and more for, and it's clear now that the guests are opting to choose to stay in hotels or dine in restaurants where we are effecting more um, sustainable practices, be it, you know, in terms of our food sourcing, our techniques, our food waste, or indeed, you know, guests staying in hotels where they can see the impact of our, our um, ESG strategy. What is also very interesting in the evolution of the hospitality industry is that for for a long time, food, restaurants, were not the highlights of the, the hotels. And now there's a, there's been a trend where they realize that people are going to the restaurant because they want that experience. So there's an evolution in terms of, of how they approach uh, the, the F&B part of, the, of, of hotels. Now, what is also interesting in within that trend is not just about the sensory experience, but also, as you were saying, people are more and more sensitive about how it's done. It's not just having great food with a great chef and having a great evening or a great meal, but it goes beyond that. When you were mentioning that, do you see that more and more people are really, really looking for that and their choice, let's say, to go to, to the Hilton versus another one is also sometimes based on the practices that you have, not just the good food, but everything around it? Well, there's, there's sort of two questions there, Antoine. The first one you said, you know, people, when they travel now, are becoming more and more engaged in, in the food and drink experiences or visiting the restaurants and bars or the public places in hotels. And I think a few things have driven that. First of all, you know, in a, in a post-COVID world, people have realized the value of travel and the value of human connection and, you know, really, really embracing that through traveling to places that they want to. And also when they're there, wanting to be what we'd say culturally connected mm -hmm. or have a sense of place mm -hmm. of where they're visiting. And no better way to connect to an area or a country or a region you're visiting than the food and drink. Mm -hmm. And one way you can agree. do that is through experiencing local food. It doesn't necessarily have to be the local cuisine. Mm -hmm. It could be being able to dine and enjoy 
produce from the region and having the bartender or indeed the waiter or the chef tell you the storytelling around where that's been sourced. So I think it's very much people are interested in going to restaurants and bars within hotels because people want to travel more. People are wanting to culturally connect. People want to feel a sense of place. We can do that through storytelling, through food and beverage, through drink. We -hmm. can do that through the restaurants. We can do that through not only the product, but the storytelling of the people that work in those restaurants and bars, which is very much, you know, what Hilton is about. We're very much a purpose-driven organization, but ultimately we believe everything is delivered by our people. So it's very much, you're right, people are, and and hotels are waking up to that, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, hotels are now realizing that food and drink, to, to finish off your question, food and drink, Restaurants and bars can be the differentiator. They can be the halo effect. They can be the one part that can make your hotel stand out in in a market or guests choose to stay at a Hilton or a Conrad or a Waldorf Astoria or a Canopy because, you know, they've been recommended the restaurants and bars. They've heard about a particular chef. They've heard about a brand of restaurant that's in that hotel. So hotels are now realizing as our hotel owners and operators, that if you've got great restaurants and bars, people, for all the reasons that they want to travel, they want to have human connection, they want to feel culturally connected, they want a sense of place, they want to enjoy themselves, they want to make memories, they want to have a great photo of themselves, enjoying that with one of our Hilton photographers taking a photo of them. So all these things are wrapped up in the restaurant and bar or food and drink arena now within the hotel and very much between the heart of the hotel and often can become part of the guest stay. So certainly in in the region I operate in, in Via, we very much recognise that food and drink is incredibly important within within the hotel stay for our guests. So, um, yeah, you're very right. I think it, it certainly um, is a real opportunity for us as a hotel operator to, to differentiate ourselves and provide our guests a reason to choose Hilton, our owners a reason to choose Hilton, and indeed our team members to want to work for Hilton, especially in food and drink, because they're not only working with a purpose-driven organization, they're working with, you know, an organization that's very much around driving the best we possibly can in terms of food and drink, and thus, you know, providing a great career for chefs, mixologists, sommeliers, waiters, anybody in, in the food and drink space. Because it's it's a it's a huge challenge because at the end of the day there is there's a brand name behind the different hotels. Yeah. And you need to make sure that there's a consistency in the experience. The food will be different from one place to the other, but there has to be a consistency in the experience that the people are gonna be li- living when they come to to one of your hotels. How difficult is it to to really be able to to find the right talents, to find the right people, to find the right recipes and to connect with the local community to bring that experience all across those different places. It must be a huge challenge. Well, I think I think it is, but it's around when we program a hotel, we make sure that, you know, we put a lot of work into with our F and B brands team. We 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 put a lot of work into research in the market, looking at the gap analysis, looking at the white space naturally taking you know on board the brand requirements but also what what the owners would like and you know we it's it's not a one size fits all we actually look at you know what all the opportunities are what all the requirements are what the guests are going to be looking for we program 
certainly in our luxury, full service and lifestyle brands, we program a bespoke food and drink experience. And, you know, it's not a one size fits all, but, you know, be it Levantine cuisine or Indian or Chinese or, or, or modern European cuisine, you know, it's very much around making sure that we program the hotel so it's going to meet the requirements of the local market and what, what travellers are going to be looking for. And also there's going to be a, a commercial return on it for our owners. And it's, it's going to differentiate the hotel for all the reasons we've talked about. And also I believe that Hilton as a, you know, a global employer for choice, winning many, many people awards, great place to work awards. Then Brown speaks for itself in terms of attracting people. And I just think it's just all the work my team are doing, how we're amplifying our great work through our platform, Taste of Hilton, where we um, profile our people, product basis and purpose. And I think very much attracting chefs and front of house people that want to work in an organization that is driven by quality, innovation, but also purpose and, and indeed performance and a return to our owners. I want to shift a little bit the conversation on the experience in the restaurant. When you enter a restaurant from a Hilton branded location, what's the first thing you look at? I look at? Yes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I don't think there's one thing I, I look at. I, you know, this is what we talk very much with the team, food and drink and great restaurants and the bars. The, the irony is it's actually a recipe of, of so many things, you know, mm-hmm. it's about the the sense of arrival, you know, what, 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 do, what's the atmosphere like? What's the sense of smell? What's, what's, what's the temperature like? What's the lighting like? What's the music like? What's the welcome like? You know, is the restaurant busy or bar full? You know, is the music at the right volume where you greeted well you know is there a sense of cleanliness and hygiene is there a welcoming sense there's so many things i don't think there's one thing i look for and you know i've been in this game a long time so mm-hmm. i i look at it in a whole sum of parts but everything i've just said is what makes a great arrival experience into a restaurant for a guest so if you're a guest that I don't know, doesn't work in, in, in food and drink, it works in technology, you would walk into a restaurant and if all those things were ticked and were right for the occasion and the time, you you would you would feel a great sense of arrival and welcome. You wouldn't necessarily walk in and think, oh, the music's right, somebody's greeting me nicely. Oh, the yeah, you right. just oh, feel right. it. Right. Yeah. You would feel it, the vibe. Yeah. Whereas if you walk into a restaurant and it's bright light, there's no music and it smells a bit musty and, you know, there's a scruffy menu handed to you as you sit down, you you know it's off. So <laughs> yes. me, I, I, look, I look for a lot of things. The general impression is to be, to feel, I would welcome. suppose, welcome, yeah. To feel yeah. welcome. Yeah. How, how complicated was it to get to that point? Because I think it's a, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's something where... People learn over time. Yeah, I think I think we're on a journey. You know, I think some of our restaurants probably execute it really well, and others we've got opportunities. But you know, this is why the regional F and B directors are out there working with the local hotel teams to drive performance, to drive a great experience for our guests. But you know, we could never get to a point and say, "Oh, well, we're we're successful at, at food and drink, or we run great restaurants and bars," because that's the day you stop. You've got mm-hmm. to just every day mm-hmm. you keep going back and 
there's always a new innovation, a new trend. You know, we've still got so much work to, to do. We can talk about our local sourcing on our initiatives that we're driving to drive a reduced food waste. You know, it's, it's much the same. There's so much to do. With Hilton's always opening up more and more hotels, which means we've got more and more restaurants and bars to program to the, to the point I made earlier. We've got more people to recruit. Mm -hmm. We've got more hotels and restaurants. We've got more restaurants to get open, more bars to get open. Hilton and owners are always reinvesting and going back. So we've always got to go back to hotels and look at how we're reinvesting and reprogramming them. So it, it never stops. So mm -hmm. I don't think we'll ever be there at a point where we go, right, you know, we've, we've reached, there'll never be a day. You know, the list is always longer than the next day, for sure. When, when it comes to the complexity of the of the operations, uh, so we spoke about the food, we spoke about the, the elements, the external elements to make the feel welcome. When it comes to the, the food waste aspect, uh, and we know that restaurants in general yeah. are, are places where there's a lot of food waste. And especially when you go to very high-end types of restaurants, there's tons of it. And there are people that are trying to change that. When you when you come into a place, let's say a new place, that's taken on board and you you want to instill that sense of, okay, we need to work on food waste, etc. How difficult is it for people to do that change? Because we talk, there's, there's a lot of talks about, you know, how to reduce food waste because it has a huge impact on greenhouse gas emissions. And yeah. there's one thing which is to talk about. There's other thing is to work on it and to actually um, do things about it. How like, difficult is it to implement such projects and such purpose? Certainly, I think in Hilton, the work that we've done across media over the last few years has, it's always been around the standard requirement to record our food waste since that came into effect the hotels in the main have been doing that but but what myself and my team have done over the, over the last couple of years first of all we've really um hammered home the requirement to do and you know gone through a big educational piece with our teams on food waste and food loss and you know the fact that the food industry Uh, you know, accounts for 30% of mm -hmm. all greenhouse gas emitted and that, you know, food waste alone is around, you know, anything from 8 to 10% and that, you know, the the hospitality industry is is losing about $100 billion a year through food waste. So we kind of have done the education on the commercials and also the why around food waste and its impact on greenhouse gases and thus its impact on our ability to, you know, drive our ESG strategy and our travel with purpose goals. So there's been very much an educational piece there. And, um, you know, I think sometimes people are still quite shocked, you know, if you say it's them, you know, if you put food waste and food loss together and measure the impact of greenhouse gases of loss and waste, because often it's an education about the difference between loss and waste, but it would be the third biggest country in so if it was a country emitted green and people are pretty shocked. So we've been on a really a big educational piece with our teams. But I wouldn't say to answer your question, is it hard more harder to onboard a new hotel to doing it versus a, a, an existing one? Because we now have a clear strategy and call to mm -hmm. action so we have clear sops which you know standard operating policies or procedures where 
the hotels can either follow a manual process to record food waste, or indeed what we've done over the last few years is we've partnered with Winnow, that is an AI tech-enabled company that basically provides a set of scales and a camera where the food waiting is installed in a kitchen, and as the chefs are um, disposing of the food waste, it's photographed, it's recorded, and over time, the chefs get data which allows them to record how much food waste and what they're wasting. So what we want to do is we don't want to just record food waste and say, right, you know, this is how much we wasted. We want to give the chefs data mm -hmm. and knowledge to empower them to take action. So, you know, if they are constantly wasting lots of bakery items for mm -hmm. breakfast, reduce the amount going out or look at ways of reusing it, you know. So we want to make sure that not only are we recording food waste, but how we use the data to drive our chefs to take action to, to avoid re uh, causing the food waste to start with. Because, you know, it's not only the food waste, but it's also... Uh, the time and effort and labor mm -hmm. and resources such as energy and light and and you know water used to produce the food so it's it makes not only is it right for the environment it's right commercially to reduce it because you're not wasting money buying food that you throw mm -hmm. in the bin you're not using resources and you're not using valuable people's time to 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 cook it so we now have data uh, where we can see how many grams per cover. So, because mm -hmm. obviously some hotels have thousands and thousands mm -hmm. of people going through them and dining a day, and others maybe have hundreds. So, you, you can't quantify kilograms per hotel. You mm -hmm. have to give it some parity. So, we benchmark our food waste data on grams per cover. And then we want to now start driving some, some, some performance analysis on why. Why your similar hotels? Why, why are you, you know, and, and it's not a blame game. It's like, what what are they doing differently to you? And Understanding. Practice okay. To yeah. help reduce food waste. And we know that having the data and educating our chefs, it allows them, you know, to make, to make decisions around production and ordering. So ultimately it's about giving them the tools, giving them the knowledge, giving them the how and the the why most importantly and then and and the how when we really started to double down and look at our ramp up and then thus our food waste we really have been over the last few years working working on this and then most recently I'm sure we'll talk about our, our green Ramadan campaign where we know United Nations data shows us that in Ramadan and indeed any festivities any celebrations around the world, food waste tends to increase by anything like 25 to 50% during these celebratory periods. So it's even more important that, that we do, do work on that. So as we are in the middle of Ramadan now, have you, have you seen the impact already of, of, the, of the program? Well, we have in other micro levels. So just mm -hmm. just to allow your uh, your operators to to understand what what I'm talking about when I'm talking about uh, uh, green green Ramadan, we were very fortunate. Some members of my team and myself were very fortunate to meet uh, members of the United Nations 
Environment Program West Asia six to seven months ago, maybe. And we were we were talking uh, to United Nations Environment Program, uh, UNEP as we'll call them for ease, at um, their Recipe of Change launch, where they are specifically in the Middle East, where I'm based here, and they are looking at a range of programs around how to drive and improve one of the biggest barriers to food waste, which is actually awareness, mm-hmm. both in the household and, and commercially mm-hmm. in the hospitality business, people's awareness around food waste and how we can take action to reduce it, all of us. We were very engaged with United Nations and we thought, how can we work with them to support it? And based on the knowledge that, you know, we know that in, fest- in times of festivities, food waste increases, and in Ramadan, it increases by anything, you know, 25 to 50%. Mm. We thought, what a, what a perfect opportunity to look at how can we work with UNIT and look at how, how can we drive a program where we start to look at reducing food waste during celebrations. So we chose three markets. We chose uh, Dubai. Mm-hmm. where we're piloting a green Ramadan at um, the Conrad Dubai, Qatar, where we're working at the Waldorf Astoria, Lucille and Doha, mm-hmm. and the uh, Hilton Hotel and Residences in Riyadh in the Kingdom mm-hmm. of Saudi Arabia. And what we've done is we've put together an Iftar and Savor experience, which we believe is a sort of closes the loop totally. Mm-hmm. So first of all, we are working with UNEP under their recipe of change where we've put a series of messaging around the buffet and the restaurant, thinking about your your food waste, your plate waste. We don't want to annoy mm. guests, but just very much using the United Nations messaging around food waste and, you know, halving the waste and double the blessings. And, you know, you can always mm. return. Just think about, be more mindful of your mm-hmm. choices when you're approaching the buffet. So we we put in place messaging with UNIT. We then also have put in Winnow AI technology where we are tracking and measuring the waste and forensically looking at the data around does the messaging and um, you know drive consumer behavior mm-hmm. around thinking about their plate waste and indeed our chefs around the production. Mm-hmm. We also then are looking at sourcing more local produce and showcasing the local produce at these three um, hotels, and then also putting on more plant-based options. So we are trying to say to guests, you know, we are giving you the option to buy, not only think about your waste, but to buy more local, support Mm -hmm. the communities that we are operating and living in or, or visiting, also reducing the air miles of the produce you're eating. We then put on more plant-based options, which we know are more climate friendly. We've worked with Climato on carbon labeling, Mm -hmm. uh, key items on the menu, which allows guests to make recipe smart, menu smart choices. You know, they may choose a particularly lower carbon item than another on their plate. We also have tied up where possible with local food banks so that food that we can donate Mm-hmm. Uh, to avoid going to landfill, we also. And then finally, we started to work with local composting companies, such as the Waste Lab in the UAE, where food, if it can't be safely mm-hmm. diverted, 
we are donating for composting, which then allows the food waste, uh, rather than go to landfill, to be repurposed and converted back into valuable soil, which in parts such as the GCC is, is very, very important in terms of yeah. uh, local farming. So we are now halfway through. We are going to produce in conjunction with United Nations and with Winnow. We're going to produce a white paper post-Ramadan that's going to look at the results of this. We hope to then produce a toolkit and a, and a sort of roadmap for our hotels across the region to follow at times of celebrations to avoid food waste and to allow our guests to enjoy more environmentally friendly experiences when, when dining at our hotels during these big celebrations. In answer to your question, have we been able to make any impact so far? Interestingly, I was in Doha last week at the Waldorf Astoria mm -hmm. with United Nations and some of our valued uh, hotel guests and media guests, and we were experiencing the Green Ramadan Sahor at, at the Waldorf. And interestingly, um, our executive chef there, Yanis Manikis, was telling me that in the early days, when they started the Ramadan experience, their biggest area of food waste was around the bakery items, which mm -hmm. is probably why I men mentioned bakery before. Mm -hmm. And they came to realize that there was an abundance of food on offer in the Iftar and Sahur experience. But they, when they reduced the bakery items and put a small signage about uh, wall bread available on request and cooked it bespoke when people asked and actually just left the Arabic frat bed out, mm -hmm. literally nobody's been asking for the bread because Oops. there's so much else on offer. Yes. And we immediately reduced um, the food waste in that hotel for the Iftar and Sahur experience because we weren't wasting bread or, or having too much bread to repurpose mm -hmm. for other reasons. So I want to say long term we'll produce this white paper, but I think this shows the power of using data and, you know, forensically researching your waste because Chef Yadis was immediately able to take, you know, two or three days into Ramadan, effective change to reduce the food waste within this 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 experience, this green Ramadan experience. Yeah, it's fascinating the complexity because people don't realize how difficult it is to actually you know when you say no waste you know it's simple to say but then again the work in the background is so complex and there's so connect so yeah. many connections there and, and, and people you know people people say oh well you know if you're, you're you know hotels you're a bit on a hiding to nothing sometimes because you've got the buffets and you know it's it's a bit of a lost cause and and i i i challenge that because you know we we've got you know, Hilton's got over 7,000 hotels globally. You know, most of them are probably, I bet, got a, a buffet. You know, um, that's the infrastructure we have for, you know, making sure we give people a great Hilton breakfast experience. Mm. So, and at busy times in the hotel, although, you know, we obviously have a lot of a la carte restaurants as well, but we have to take responsible action and work within the structure we have. So, you know, I'm in a post-COVID world, we're seeing, you know, guests looking for, buffets where they can select more individually portioned items for example we see chefs cooking more a la Monique, you know mm -hmm. we are seeing chefs cooking using not the big old style shaping dishes and piling in high at 6 a.m for breakfast you know we're seeing more batch cooking mm -hmm. fresh as guests are coming to the restaurant and replenishing 
the batch cooking. So, you know, I think even, you know, in buffet restaurants, we as hospitality operators can take responsible action to not only measure our food waste and, and, and take these actions, we can also do things around presentation, plating, more, more show kitchen, aluminum cooking, because this is what guests are looking for. Mm -hmm. Our Hooks a Trend report has um, that was published uh, last year showed that many guests are now looking for more socially responsible operators and, and hotels that are, you know, carrying out these sustainable practices, which you, you kindly alluded to earlier on on our um, ESG platform. Yeah. So I, I do believe that it is a challenge. We are dealing with, you know, years and years and years of, of a way of doing things. And, and when you speak to our chefs that have adopted, for example, Winnow, where, you know, at the moment we have, you know, in 69 of our hotels across the mere and constantly growing, you speak to executive chefs and they say, yeah, it, it's a change. It's a change in culture. It's a change of work. Of course it is. You know, we, we are putting technology in the kitchens that many of them have never worked with before. You know, in the old days, you'd say to a chef, what's your food waste? Well, I have no food waste. Of course it's a change. But apart from the buffets, you know, we've got chefs, you know, we know chefs now are taking pride in in the forgotten mm -hmm. cuts, the room to shoots, you know, nose to tail. Chefs are repurposing product all the time and thinking, you know, very much chefs are now taking pride in how can I repurpose this? How can I save this? How can I use the banana skin? How can I use mm -hmm. this rather than, you know, how can I make this? How can I quinell this? How can I phone this? And, you know, it's, it's almost like culturally people are changing and it's very much, you know, becoming much more about going back to nutrition and that mindfulness that feeding and you know we've got chefs with michelin star and gourmet mm. and everything and it's all but it's, it's not only about giving guests a wow plating experience and taste of texture and experience as i said it's also about that mindful approach of mm. nourishment responsibility social responsibility health whether personal or planetary and as i always say and as nikki always reminds me you know, we firmly believe the future of hospitality is sustainability and food and drink has a huge part yeah. to play. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be continued success uh, with, with your work. And it's uh, it's, uh, it's uh, fantastic to see that how much effort and how much dedication there is there is on this. We're getting close to the end of the conversation. Let's talk local before the, the last question. There's two ways that, you know, my team are really, I mean, we're busy operating hotels, restaurants, bars, you know, opening hotels. Our trouble with purpose and our ESG goals are incredibly important and top of mind, not only for our guests, but for our people. And as we're employing younger and younger demographics of people, we're finding it's becoming more and more important to attract talent. You talked about, you know, talent wants to work mm -hmm. in an organization that is mindful and has a purpose and is actually doing something about protecting the planet for their generation and future generations. So one of the one of the other areas that we really double down is on local. And, you know, in 2022, we looked at a number of key markets where we could really double down on increasing our basket in local. And that was, we looked at uh, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. Egypt, UAE, UK, and Spain. I'm delighted to say that, for example, in the UAE, we worked with a local ag tech provider, which is mm -hmm. basically a company called Fresh on Table that basically onboards local farms across the UAE and does all the due diligence and support and basically is a conduit for Hilton to 
buy direct from the 30,000 odd local farms there are across the UAE through Threshold Table into Hilton. Because obviously we have strict supply chain codes mm -hmm. and due diligence. So we actually, my team and I worked on really hard because people say, oh, buying local is difficult. It's always more expensive, et cetera, et cetera. But what we did is we committed to buying a certain number of lines across hotels and we committed to contracted volumes to our local farms for the first time ever. And we committed to 350 tons, which allowed us to negotiate a commercial basket that actually matched our imports. Because what we did is we gave the farmers guaranteed volumes, which allowed them to then give us good pricing. Mm -hmm. And so it was a win-win for us. We were able to buy local. We were able to buy local in a simplified fashion through threshold table. And we could give the farmers committed volumes to allow them to invest and to, you know, really support us. I'm delighted to say that we smashed that target and we actually ended up buying 446 tons. Our supply chain and our, our operating teams and our hotels, our chefs worked really hard this year to look at how we could build on that. I'm delighted to say that we this year, through the growth of the ag tech, you know, hydroponic, aquaponic, mm -hmm. and the um, sustainable farming practices here in the UAE that are supported very much by the Ministry of, of Food Security and Climate Change. We actually now are going to contract 900 tons locally, which would previously have been imported. So an incredible result in two years. We're okay. actually now, I think, in Egypt, for example, buying 30% of our food from, from local suppliers. In the UK, we're up to 50%. And also in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, I'm delighted to say that last year we moved all our tomato buying to local, which allowed us to, we, believe it or not, we buy 190 tons of tomatoes a year. And that's growing, a lot of tomatoes. <laughs> exactly. And that's going into the local community. We're working very hard with our supply chain to look at buying, believe it or not, we're now buying Saudi Arabia. We're buying olives. Mm -hmm. We're buying olive oil. Saudi mm -hmm. Arabia makes Incredibly yes. premium olive oil. Yes. We're also looking, hopefully, to buy shrimps and poultry within the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Yes. And we're looking at doing more and more work. We've just recently signed a deal with a local supplier in Qatar. So we're looking at increasing our basket. And while I was in Qatar last week, every day is a skilled day. I learned about something called fadja. Do you know what fadja is? No. Well, here you go. Neither did I. But when it <laughs> rains in Qatar, in the in the cooler months and it's a delicacy that's mm. only found about because it doesn't rain very often and it's not very no. cool very often but this sort of mushroom fungi thing comes out the ground and it's the closest thing you can get to a truffle ah like kama in in, yeah, in, in in the levantine it's called yeah kama. it's yeah so it's called fadja and in and okay. it grows in in qatar locally and we 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 shared some with our, mm. our guests last week and Honestly, I didn't know, but, you know, that's something that we, we enjoyed at our green Ramadan as a delicacy. And the other thing I tried in Qatar was the Qatar honey. Incredible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these, we talked about food and drink being, you know, culturally connected and giving guests a mm -hmm. sense of place. I'm sure our guests that left, as with their jar of beautiful Qatar honey from the Sidra tree, mm -hmm. you know, we're able to be feeling a little bit culturally connected and closer to Qatar as a destination because who knew you could have a, a delicacy that was nearly like a truffle and and enjoy premium, premium honey. I didn't, and I've been doing this yeah. game a long time. So, um, yeah, local is very important to us. 
because obviously it supports our ESG travel with purpose uh, strategy around reducing our carbon emissions and also it delights our guests and it's just great for our chefs to work with yeah. local produce. It, on, it only makes sense. It Everything, does make it, sense. They're ticking all the boxes that actually they are, are good, not just for ticking the boxes, but really. Yeah, exactly. You know, it works commercially, it works environmentally, it supports the communities and we operate in and it's what our people want. So, you know, it's 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 a win-win but it, it's not easy it's a journey we've got a long way to go you know there's a lot to do but but you know you've got to start somewhere yeah the, the local aspect is is extremely important especially in the middle east when you come from outside there is a preconception of what ha what is there what is available there and for instance saudi arabia is one of the places where they have grapes they have places where there's snow there there's there, they have a lot yeah. of local agriculture that people well, had, would have no idea it would exist there. Absolutely. And this is why, you know, I go back to the storytelling. So we're very fortunate, you know, for example, in the UAE, which we know is a desert climate. And, you know, half a percent of the land here in this part of the world is arable. So when you start mm -hmm. advise, you know, letting guests know that the tomatoes that they're eating or indeed the berries, the mm -hmm. strawberries or the blueberries are grown here, through either hydroponic techniques or sustainable farming techniques, you know, climate cooling farming mm -hmm. techniques. They're just amazed, you know, and finally, you know, I'm delighted that we have, you know, we've got our first hydroponic farm on site at the Conrad Etienne Towers Abu Dhabi, where, you know, at the moment we have, with through our partners, Chris, we actually have a hydroponic farm on site where the chefs are able to purchase, you know, a minimum of 10 kilograms a day of leafy greens mm -hmm. to use at the hotel. So, guest spaces when they hear that their greens are coming from a hydroponic farm that's actually sitting in on the property of the hotel that kind of tells another story and that's yes. even closer to um reducing our logistics and carbon footprint definitely property. <laughs> and guests they love these stories you know and frankly speaking the local produce is becoming so good. the farming so good mm. i mean the tomatoes taste amazing People are sensitive to that connection, I guess. More and yeah. more, we, we've we been so disconnected in a way of yeah. what is all around us and fr from food, actually, because, you know, supermarkets, this is not the place where you get food. You know, food comes from the land, food comes from the, the growers and the farmers. And to have that connection again is, is, I don't know if people are looking for what they would call authenticity or something natural or whatever you want to call it, but there is, we need to find that again. Um, and probably COVID exacerbated a bit the, the fear yes, absolutely. To, find that, to find that again. One while, last question briefly before we go on to the people questionnaire. Okay. Yeah. Wine. It's about wine. Oh, wine. Yes. Yes. And uh, wine is very close to my heart because most of the, the shows well, and most of the, inter the the guests that we had were, were from the wine world when, when I started. And um, we have the talk show, The Wine Hour. It's a produce. It's a uh, cultural... Uh, gift that has been passed on for you know uh, centuries and millennia, and you were you were mentioning I was reading in one place that you were mentioning that one of the areas that is still underdeveloped in a way is wine because the approach to wine is complicated because the approach to wine yeah. it's a bit of a stuffy world etc. While wine should be you know friendly yeah. and and to to share this with people etc. Yeah, absolutely. Why that interest? I mean, again, my team and I looked at this. We sell a lot of wine, 
you know, we sell a serious amount of wine across Hilton and Mere. You know, we sell wine by the glass around our restaurants and bars and pools. We sell a lot of maybe more premium wine in our signature dining experiences. And we drop, we sell, you know, volumes and volumes of wine through our conference and events, kind of by, by, the, by the glass or the bottle at, at these big events. So, you know, there's, there's a whole wine program going on throughout our estate. But, but the one thing we realized was actually, you know, we had the opportunity to do better for our guests, for our team members, and, and just, you know, do it better for commercial returns for business because we could probably sell more wine and we could sell better mixes of wine, you know, and, and achieve better, better margins. And that didn't mean selling at a more expensive price. It just meant selling what the guests want when they need for their occasion. So it all came down to accessibility, you mm-hmm. know, how do we make it more accessible to our team members so that, you know, a poor, a poor team member that really hasn't had a lot of wine training doesn't get petrified when they get asked mm-hmm. to recommend wine. I mean, that's just like the worst moment, isn't it? When you're not trained and you're yes. asked to recommend. And, you know, also for guests not to feel intimidated when, you know, the, you know, oh gosh, if I ask for a recommendation in this massive compendium, which by the way, need to all go, and I'm going to, you know, get sold the most expensive bottle of wine, <laughs> I'm be embarrassed in front of my guests because I don't want to look at the price and then say, oh, no, recommend me something else because then I'll look at me. And it's just all fraud. Yes, yes, and it like is. Like you don't... said, it's just supposed to be this natural, True. enjoyable, you know, and if it's $30 a bottle or $300 a bottle, but you like the taste and it suits you, it's fine. You know what I mean? It's not about the most expensive or, you know, do you know the most complicated region and vineyard? Do you know, you know, could you write an essay about it? So it came down to accessibility. And so we embarked on a program where we have really looked at a whole program and we've called it Unleashing Our Potential. And it's all around how we can unleash the potential of the training and the awareness and the confidence amongst our team members. And, you know, really look at levels of training and look at how we embrace wine around giving the hotels guidance on everything from wine by the glass programs, conference and events programs, but also how to store how to serve glassware, how to preserve, mm-hmm. how to preserve premium, uh, you know, either through Braemar or our Corps de Ballon program. Um, and then also we wanted to not only look at training, so we've looked at where we've got W set trainers, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. work with suppliers, but we also wanted to look at how we can almost put a friendly face on wine. And instead mm-hmm. of working with traditional more, more more sort of stuffy approach we, mm-hmm. we met a lady called uh, helen begin who's a, a world-renowned um, a british lady based in the uk she was a wine buyer um but she became an uh, i think she's a published eight times author mm-hmm. she's now a tv celebrity she's an absolute wine expert but she's just the mother of three children she's supernatural she's super busy but she is all about making wine accessible and just, you know, how does it taste? Da, da, da. And so we've just gone on this whole program and we've just started this journey. We've got we've got a good two or three years of it to go at through training awareness. But 
we're now doing a series on Taste of Hilton, our Instagram program, where Helen mm -hmm. does live tastings with our chefs and makes it fun. And we just want to make wine much more natural, much more accessible, much more cool. You know, I have a vision that our sommeliers are not sort of in stuffy, tight suits, mm -hmm. but they're in, in something that they feel comfortable wearing. They look cool. They're, you know, they kind of like got this je ne sais quoi around the restaurant because they have to showboat. And, and you know, I just want, I, my vision is that everybody who's serving tables or working in a bar when recommend, you know, asked to make a recommendation can feel confident to actually recommend two or three wines very effortlessly, confidently, and actually make the guests feel that they've not been sold to and that, you know, we can meet the requirements of the guests. Naturally, we're very fortunate to have W7 Apple 3 and, you know, the people in our in our in our yes. hotels who are absolute experts. But, you know, we also need to make sure that the the thousands of front of house people that we employ can feel confident. Now, we've only started that journey. We created all the materials and launched the program last year, but it's kind of like I would love Hilton to be the global hospitality operator that, you know, you go in a hotel and you feel I'm not going to get, you know, I'm going to feel I'm going to get a great wine experience, but I'm going to get something that's kind of right for me, you know, and, and I'm going to enjoy. Yes. And that's nice. really what we want to do. Wonderful. I wish you all the continuous success on that. So to end, uh, so it's the first thing that comes to your mind in the PIVO questionnaire. Uh, are you ready? Okay. Okay. So, what is your favorite word? Prefold. What's your least favorite word? Oh, it's more than one word. It doesn't matter. It's fine. A sentence is okay. fine. The problem is. Oh, yeah. Oh. French people say that a lot. Et oh, le problème, c'est que. <laughs> and you know, you know, oh, the problem is, yeah. <laughs> it starts like that. Your favorite virtue? Kindness. Your favorite quality in a woman? Elegance. Your favorite quality in a man? If they have I any. To, yeah, I want to say <laughs> kindness, but I suppose I would say empathy. What wine, dish, or ingredient, you can choose any or all, uh, would you use to describe yourself? Gin and tonic. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Strong and bubbly. Strong and bubbly. <laughs> what aroma or smell do you love? Oud. What uh, sound or noise do you love? My daughter's voice. But so I don't know, do you hate? Oh, traffic jams. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they're dreadful. Yeah. Emma <laughs> yes. yeah. Banks, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Antoine.